On this edition of the Bills Pod Squad, we'll find out the path Kim Pagula took to find her voice behind the mic. We'll also talk about the favorite places that we've lived in and find out who Eric Washington calls a fighter along the defensive line. Episode one of the Bills Pod Squad starts right now. Welcome into Bills Pod Squad, the official podcast of the Buffalo Bills. Kim Pagula and Maddie Glab here as your hosts on Bills Pod Squad. You can listen to current and former players as well as coaches take us beyond the field as they share who they are, what makes them tick, and how they got to the Bills. Anything goes on this podcast, so get ready for epic stories you haven't heard before and some off-the-wall segments. Kim, so happy to have you on here. So pumped to talk with you. How did you get into this podcasting realm? I, you know what, I, I uh, petitioned for it. So <laughs> I am so excited to be here. I am super excited to be part of something new that we're building here uh, at the Bills. And I love talking. I love talking. And talking about the Bills, talking about our fan base, talking about our community. Um, so I listen to a lot of co- podcasts and I'm just so excited that like, I get to be part of one. I'm so excited you're I'm, part I'm of one too. I'm a little too. nervous because I haven't done this before, so it's okay. I just, just want to give everyone our feet kind of, in the okay, water good. Here. <laughs> you say you love talking. How did this start to build for you? Because since you were with the Bills, you've been doing a lot more stuff from a podcast perspective, uh, writing perspective, on camera perspective. It seems like. Anywhere you go now, you can find an interview that you've done in the last oh couple my goodness. months. I, people do not believe uh, me when I tell them that I never did any of this stuff. So the, I, I, it's ironic, though, because when I went to Houghton College, like just about an hour from here, my major was communication. So you would think that this is like a natural transition <laughs> for me. But then I got married, you had kids and did the whole thing. And when we bought the team, I had numerous requests and I was like, no, no, I do not want (laughs) to be that type of owner. I don't want to be talking to people, do interviews. I'm not good at it. And so I said no for a long, uh, long time. And then it was just, you know, I think it was, you know, several things uh, that happened, kind of this perfect storm that happened. One was that Catherine Smith was hired as our our head coach, Mm -hmm. first female um, quality control coach, full time. And I got such a positive response from that hire. And honestly, I did not think anything really monumental with the hire because, you know, I passed her in the hallway every day. Rex, he, you know, at that time, Rex Wine was our coach and, you know, he was in charge of who he hired. And so when he brought up the idea of hiring Catherine, I was like, great, like Catherine's a great person, thinks she'll do a great job, you know? But my phone blew up when it got announced and, I did not realize the impact that that was going to have. So I, I got messages from men, from women, from you know football fans, from non-football fans about how big it was for them to see us really actionably doing something that hasn't really been done a lot in football and having female in the coaching side. Um, so, and I realized then like that I really had an opportunity here to, to you know, really amplify that, that message. You know, um, listen, Catherine was great. Of course, she had a ton of media as well, but, you know, she also had a job. She had to coach, mm-hmm. and that was really the priority. And I just realized, listen, I, I just need to go out there and not be afraid to talk about that. And so I just ripped the Band-Aid off and said, okay, I'm going to start saying yes to these things. And I think the second thing also is that I... 
I'm really proud of being here in Buffalo, and I've had a lot of people that, people that know me, but people that didn't uh, ask me, like, why did you guys pick Buffalo, right? <laughs> like, we were living in Florida, like, why, and like, you could, if you could buy this team or that team, mm -hmm. like, why would you pick Buffalo? And so it just always really bothered me, like, well, why not? Like, mm -hmm. we lived here. It was, you don't know the people in the city. And so I just, like, people don't, we need to have another voice. Yeah. And I know the fan base here loves the Bills and loves being in Buffalo. Um, but I just, I want to share that that with other people outside of Buffalo and felt that my voice could be then um, really represent what Buffalo means to us, what Buffalo means to the people here um, in whether I'm speaking at a conference, um, you know, in California or I'm writing, you know, for something digitally that's seen by a lot of people that may not know what Buffalo is all about. So uh, I just, like I said, ripped the Band-Aid off and now they can't get me to shut up. <laughs> It's a good thing. It's it's totally a good thing. I feel like now that we're in this realm, the social media world and age, it's great to be able to take a small market team like Buffalo and throw Elevate it out worldwide. It. Yeah. yeah, and we have, I know every club says they have the best fans in the world, but I, I've seen it, I've seen it, right? Uh, that we have fans all over the country, all over the world. And what, when we went to um, London mm -hmm. a few years ago, I mean, just randomly, I'm just like a, you know, a tourist just randomly. And there's like someone with a, with a random Bills hat. And I was like, hey, you're a Bills fan. He's like, he's like, well, I don't, I watch him on, you know, when we can get him because I love football, but he had never been to Buffalo. He had never, you know, he didn't even live in the, the U.S., right? <laughs> he had like this English accent, but that's, that's what's great about um, football and the medium that we have now. And this podcast is going to be a big part of really, uh, like I said, amplifying the Bills' voice uh, and connecting our whole fan base around the world. And I know you went to Seoul last year. Didn't you find a someone with I a Bills did. shirt I or a hat, too, all the way in South Korea? I, I, I did. We went to the DMZ, which is that demilitarized mm -hmm. zone between North and South Korea. So we are, like I said, we're tourists. We're just touring this thing. And there's a guy with a Bills T-shirt on, <laughs> right? And my dad actually sought him out because he's like, oh, my gosh. And he went over and introduced himself. And, yeah, just some random person that just, you know, was a Bills fan in South Korea of all places. Like, I haven't been there, you know, at that time. I hadn't been there in 40 mm -hmm. years, right? I mean, I was, I was real young when I was there. So the fact that just our world's connected through football and through the Bills was just really awesome to see. Yeah, so we hope this podcast takes you to wherever you are. We're here in Buffalo, but wherever you're listening from, we hope that we can uh, give you a little slice of Buffalo and what's going on here with the Buffalo Bills. So in today's podcast, we are going to have Eric Washington on as our guest. He's the new Bills defensive line coach, and he's going to share his thoughts on the defensive line and get into his journey from Grambling State to Buffalo. Before we get into the interview, we want to talk about the top three places that we've each lived in. This is going to be a reoccurring segment, a different topic each week. So today's top three is going to be top three cities you've lived in. So Kim, you can go with your first, first one. First one um, the, that we've actually lived in. Yes. So does it have to be more than a year? A timetable? Okay. Time all right. Table, no. Whatever. Okay. All right. So, well, I'm going to say the obvious, Buffalo, right? So, but I, I will tell you it's because not because we have the teams here, but Back in 94, we moved here to, 
to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. um, my stepkids were uh, going to school here. My two daughters were born here in um, Orchard Park, and my stepson graduated from Orchard Park High School. So obviously, and then coming back after so many years, obviously that was like my number one spot, right? And then and I'm living here again. So um, my number one choice. I don't know, what about you? Is there something about the people, the place? I know you have a lot of memories here, but outside of your family, what is it about Buffalo that you dearly love? You know, it's, it's funny because what I love about Buffalo is when I talk to people who are not in Buffalo. I know that seems kind of weird, but whenever I'm on the road and I talk to someone and I, I see this like they're, they get this emotion about them and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm from Buffalo or I grew up there and there's just this longing to want to come mm -hmm. back. I, I've never really felt that in other cities and, you know, I've got friends and people that I know that are like, hey, you know, they don't want to go back to where they grew up or things true, like true. that. And so, th and I think that's, you know, just really a testament to the people that are here, the relationships and the the tight bond that, that people have that when they leave for whatever reason, that they just, they miss it so much because they realize not every city has these special qualities mm -hmm. and whether it's just this, this special bond um, that, that we all have. So that's what I, it's the people. I mean, it, it really is. And I feel like it's so easy to talk to someone random and be able to find a connection to Western New York it, more oftentimes than not. It's like, oh, I have a family member from Rochester. Oh, I, I know Western New York because of X, Y, Z, or I went to go visit the Niagara Falls and then I fell in love with Western New York and yeah. the people or the food or whatever. It's, it, it, there's always a way to tie it back to Western New York, is, I feel It like. is true. It's like that seven degrees of separation yeah. or 11, yeah. or whatever that is. But no, you're so right that there's always some type of connection that you can make uh, to something related to Buffalo. The one, the one thing, though, I don't like, right, is the fact that so many people have left Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, come back, come <laughs> back. Like, you, you know, like, that's where, and it's great. You go get your experience, mm -hmm. go get sow your oats or whatever you're doing, but then come back. And like, we, we get like a really good part of you. So yeah. encourage all you guys that are out there and, and gals and gals. Oh, yeah. If you're out there and you're not in Buffalo and you're from here, Come back. We will welcome you with open arms. Come back because it's going to be an exciting <laughs> season. I will it tag is. off of you. I'm going to put Buffalo on my top three. It's not just because this is a Bills podcast sure. and we're in Buffalo and I've <laughs> got to do it. Um, I've lived in, I want to say, five, six cities since I uh, was born, grew up in Chicago. That's going to be on my list. We'll talk about that later. But I think Buffalo makes it onto my list because of the type of people that are here. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago in a place where people love sports. They live, they die, they breathe for sports. And that's something that I got attached to so early, uh, being raised by a dad who loves sports and a mom who, who learned to love sports because of her children. Um, but coming here, everybody has that same type of passion. And I think that's mm -hmm. something that I really gravitate towards is that passion for sports, feeling connected to your community through sports. I absolutely love that. I live in Elmwood Village and I really mm -hmm. fell in love with that area. Yeah. I think it's um, so great that it's so walkable. There's some awesome restaurants. There's some awesome bars. People are just so kind and nice here. There's just something mm -hmm. about uh, living in the north, the Midwest area, where just people are different. Mm -hmm. I, I've spent time in the south as well, but I just feel like Buffalo, the community as a whole, 
uh, people are really special here. So I've, I've grown to really appreciate Buffalo over the last year. I've been here for uh, just over a year now. Oh my gosh, I feel like you've July been here for like five year. years. I know. I remember the first phone call I had with you when you were interviewing. I do too. Yeah. I was in California at the time and I remember being like so nervous because the owner of the Bills was calling me on the phone. I was like, I can't mess this interview up, but it was a great conversation that uh, we obviously, had. Yeah, obviously you didn't mess it up and it was great because I think, you know, they asked for my opinion. I, I spoke to a few candidates and what what the team, you know, had decided upon with you and what I decided separately, we're, we're on, on the same page. So it was a match made in heaven. So well, I'm, I'm glad so you're here. happy to be here. All right. What's your second favorite city that second you've lived in? Favorite. Uh, let's see where I'm trying to think like my my life. I'm like in my <laughs> in my head. I'm like flashing through my whole life. So the second place I'm going to say is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So that's where I lived after uh, was after we we got married. Um, no, sorry. After we left Buffalo, mm -hmm. we moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the funny thing, and my husband had had a business there, and so that's kind of part of where why my son, my my son uh, Matthew, was born in Pittsburgh as well. The fun, I have a funny story though, is because you know when we were talking about moving and we were going back to Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh area, and we were looking for a house, right, where we wanted to live. I said, I don't care. We can live anywhere in Pittsburgh as long as we don't live in the same town you live with with your ex-wife, right? <laughs> and so, you the know, one hey, thing listen, I mean, do. yes, I mean, you know, that's, that's how it goes. I'm wife number two. And um, so, you know, we're looking around, and he comes home one day, and he's like, I found the perfect spot. It's a piece of land, right? And he's like, and he's very much like you know, privacy, just, you know, mm -hmm. so he, he didn't want to be like in a crowded neighborhood. So I found this awesome place, but you just really have to like visualize it. It's just, it's going to be trees <laughs> right now, but like we can build a house. I'm like, okay, okay, you know, excited, right? And um, he said, but there's one thing. And I was like, but he's, I'm like, you're kidding me. Like it's in Wexford, you're Pennsylvania. Like, no, I mean, like where you lived before, <laughs> like wife number one. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm over that. I'm going to be the bigger person. <laughs> so I said, yeah. So, um, so Pittsburgh, my daughter, my stepdaughter, uh, her husband, my two grandkids, um, they live there now. So in Pittsburgh, so it's still a place and we still have an um, oil and gas company there. So it's still a place that I love to go visit and, uh, probably my number two spot. Okay, my number two spot is gonna be Columbia, Missouri. I went to school at the University of Missouri. So Columbia is kind of in between St. Louis and Kansas City, uh, a smaller town. But I think when I was making this list, I just gravitated towards like places where I've made the most memories. And yeah. so being in college for four years, it's a big step in life, right? Sure. So you move away from home, you're away from mom and dad. Now you spent the last 18 years at home and now you're going into this next phase of your life where you're figuring, figuring out who you are, what you wanna do, you meet some real friends. So I think it's just all the memories that I made there from some of my absolute best friends uh, from life that I still keep in contact yeah. with every week, which is great. Um, great restaurants, great bars, great memories. Uh, the teams there when I was there, Missouri was a part of the Big 12, and then they mm -hmm. moved into the SEC. So who gets to say I was a part of the Big 12 <laughs> and the SEC in four years? So that was a really cool experience. Have you been back? 
I have been back a couple times. I haven't been back in the last, I want to say, four years. My brother and my sister ended up going there. My cousin also went there. My family has no ties to Missouri, but because I just raved about University of Missouri, my cousin was like, oh, I guess I'll go there too. And then my brother was like, I'll go there. And my sister decided to go there as well. So now we've kind of created this family connection to Missouri. It's about a six hour drive from Chicago. So it became home for for me, my brother, my sister, and my parents to the point where my parents are like, maybe one, maybe later in life, we'll, we'll get a home there. We'll retire there because we also made some great memories there. Well, that's not far off. I know that might sound weird, but Terry, as you know, is from uh, Penn State. He went to Penn State mm-hmm. and we have been going to football games for as long as I've we've been together. And uh, we bought a house there. <laughs> so we didn't live. I mean, we had no reason else but to go to football games. And we bought a house because he was tired of trying to find hotel rooms every mm-hmm. every season to get to the games. And um, and so we bought a house. So that is not far off that you would just want to go back to your school and, and retire. I know a lot of people that, that have done that. There's just so many great memories there. It's like some of the happiest times in my life I trace back to my to cut my college years. So that every time I want to think of something happy, I'm like, oh, just go back to Columbia, Missouri. (laughs) Well, and I I forgot too. So my parents, right, live in Houghton where I went to college. So they moved to where I I went to college. No way. Yeah, I I guess that's stuff people, parents want to do is go move to where their kids (laughs) went to school. They want to relive their college days maybe (laughs) via you. Okay, uh, number one on your list of cities you've lived in. Well, number one, so I went backwards, sorry. Buffalo was number one. Buffalo, number three on your list. Number three. Uh, I'm going to say Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. So I know it's a total vacation spot, but that was really, so when we lived in Pittsburgh, then that was when my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Jessie, became, um, you know, started with tennis. And we moved to Hilton Head, South Carolina, so she could continue uh, practicing in tennis. She was only seven years old at the time, and I know people think we were crazy, like we were crazy, <laughs> like why would you move to a place uh, for a seven-year-old? But, um, but, you know, we moved there, and that's where she really developed um, her skill, her love of the sport, and at that time, you know, all, we had all three kids, and it was just, you know, it, it was allowed us to be a family. You know, the kids were young. It was such an easier mm-hmm. life, you know, um, way that we were. And um, so I, I think it's probably, you know, in my top three because we, like I said, just have a lot of great memories there, um, made a lot of good friends. We still have a home there. We also have one for sale there if anyone is interested hey, in a home in Hilton Head any, Island, South Carolina. Please come talk to me. <laughs> I, I have a home for sale there. I still haven't sold. So, uh, but, um, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun, uh, great memories there when the kids were younger and life was a little bit easier mm-hmm. and, you know, we were under the radar and, um, and Jesse, you know, we honestly, listen, as a parent of an athlete, like you, you, you try to allow your kids to go as far as you want, but yeah. you know there's no guarantees, mm-hmm. right? So um, just really proud, like just how much she she grew up there, and which really is the foundation of where her career is now. So uh, that's that's it. That's a good place. That's a good reason why it's it's uh, on your list too. Yeah. Uh, similar to you, living there, growing up, uh, especially while your kids were growing up. Uh, 
mine is Chicago, Illinois. So that's where I grew up, spent the last, or spent the beginning 18 years of my life. I grew up in the suburbs, so about like a 30 minute, 45 minute drive outside of the city, depending on traffic, of course. You hit traffic and it's like an hour and a half to the city. <laughs> um, but that's where my parents still are. A lot of my family still lives there. So I try and get back there as much as possible, but it's where I fell in love with sports. Uh, it's where I learned about baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Were you a uh, Blackhawks fan? I was growing up. I know it's, it's, <laughs> it's tough to say in We Buffalo. had this conversation. People want to jump down my throat when I say I grew up a Blackhawks fan. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I was just born and raised there. Um, but it, it was fun to yeah. watch that team through their Stanley Cup yeah. runs. That was amazing. Uh, and hopefully we can watch that yeah. with, with the Sabres yeah. and then on the football side of things with the Bills too. But so many great memories growing up in Chicago and a lot of great food too. And people I, say that Buffalo is like a small Chicago. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, well, I although I will say New York-style pizza is tops over the deep dish stuff. You're not a deep I, dish person? I'm not person. a deep dish person. Man, I love man. the New York style. You can fold it over. It's so greasy. And you just like, I just, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't eat the, the deep dish with a fork and a knife. It just doesn't work. Okay, I will admit something. I have never had New York style before. I've never been what? to New York City. You've never been I've to New York City? I've never been to New York City. I wanted to do it this summer, oh. but then everything shut down. That was on the list. I'm like, okay, I live in Buffalo now. I'm six uh, hours away. Like, this oh. is easy. Okay, well, I am going to get some New York style pizza for you. <laughs> yes. yes. So, I'm because they have these, like, you know, you can get anything now on on a lot of different yeah. sites. So I am going to guess. I cannot believe you've never had. Well, I can't believe you haven't been to New York City, which now I guess I could believe that. I can't believe you've never had New York. It's thin pizza. Yeah. I've had the thin pizza, it? but I haven't had it from New, New York. York. Okay. And I feel like that's where I have to do the real test where I figure out what I like better. You're, you're right. But I also think the pizza tastes better in New York too. So I, I'm going to get some anyways for you, but Definitely you need to be there because I think the atmosphere and everything yeah. just kind of adds to the flavor. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, um, but definitely, okay. Whenever right. you have a free weekend, we'll <laughs> skip over to New there York City. There you go. Okay. I'm, I love going there. I love to visit. So <laughs> I uh, will do it next, whenever we can... Well, I'll get back there. So Yeah, whenever yeah. everything opens back up, let's do it. Okay. All right, let's talk a little bit about Eric Washington because he's our guest uh, on the show today. You have a good idea of what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean want out of their coaching staff. So when you guys hire someone like Eric Washington, who, one, has ties uh, to Sean and Brandon from his time at the Carolina Panthers, which is where he came from, what did you know about Eric Washington and, and how he would mesh with this current staff? Yeah. You know, I, I wish I could spend more time with him, right? Because with, with COVID and not being able to interact with our coaching staff like I would have liked, I, I wish that I had the opportunity, opportunity to, to talk with him more. But I listen, I, I know we allow coaches to make those coaching decisions and, you know, confident in the choices that, that coach makes. Um, but I know that there are some key ingredients that, that Sean is always looking for. Mm -hmm. And one of them that, you know, I, that I know that he has the same philosophy is about teaching, right? And so there's coaching, you know, there's, um, but then there's teaching. And I know that that's very important to Sean about how 
um, the message, the things, how we can we get a player better? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it's not just on the field. How can we get them better mentally? How can we get them better um, off the field as a person? And a lot of that comes from teaching. So I love that he embraces that teaching philosophy. And I know that that, that was probably one of the things that, that Sean really um, saw in him and wanted to make sure that like that's the kind of coach that we want on our staff. So. Um, definitely, I think that's one of the, the big strengths that we have. Totally. He was hired by the Bills in January and enters his 13th year in the NFL. Eric Washington spent 2011 to 2019 with the Carolina Panthers as a defensive line coach and most recently the defensive coordinator. Here's our interview with Eric Washington. Pleased to be joined by the newest defensive line coach of the Buffalo Bills, Eric Washington. He comes to Buffalo after spending quite some time with the Carolina Panthers and then previously to that, the Chicago Bears. Uh, coach Washington, happy to have you on with us. Excited to get to know you a little bit better through this conversation. It's great to be here, Maddie. First question for you. What are the top three cities that you've lived in? Being a coach, I'm sure you've uh, spent time in several places as well as when you were younger. So what are the top three in your mind? Um, <laughs> well, I I'll start with um, a, a pretty small town, Athens, Ohio. Uh, that's where I had the pleasure of meeting my lovely wife, Amy. I was a, an assistant coach at Ohio University and uh, I met her there and we got married uh, shortly after that. Uh, the Chicago area, I was actually in that area for eight years total. A uh, little bit of trivia, I coached high school, college, and professional football all in the same uh, general city. Wow. Uh, and my son was born in Evanston while I was an assistant coach, assistant coach at Northwestern University. So that one certainly is a, uh, is one of, is a memorable situation. And then that I was in, I was fortunate to be in one place for nine seasons. Uh, my, that was the only city that my son knows. I saw him uh, start school in Charlotte, North Carolina and experienced so many firsts uh, watching him grow up and, and, and those types of things. Just a you know, great place to live. So, and I'm happy to be in, in Buffalo, New York, in Western New York. <laughs> Buffalo may be uh, one of those top three places after this COVID pandemic is over and you can truly uh, get to see how great this city is. Uh, I grew up in Chicago, so a lot of people say that Buffalo is like a small Chicago. So hopefully you get to experience that as well. Coach, how did you get in to football? If you, if you can think all the way back to even before your Grambling State uh, playing days, how did you get into the sport? just the most organic uh, love at first sight experience that you can have. I mean, as a, as a five-year-old uh, child growing up in Shreveport, Louisiana, I was just enraptured with the Dallas Cowboys and everything that that meant. I love the game. Uh, I enjoyed watching the game on Sundays, you know, on Sunday in particular, the Cowboys because of Shreveport's close proximity to Dallas. We actually, uh, got the Cowboys games back in the in the seventies more than the Saints games because of just what was going on at the time. So it it started there, and I just always wanted to play. I just I, I really uh, uh, was drawn and attracted to the the team concept. It just seemed like every piece on a football team depended or needed the other 
faction or piece in order to be successful. And there was a, there's, there's definitely was an appeal in that for me. Did and you so then I, know? I, I got a chance to play and, and everything just kind of went from there. <laughs> Did you then know you always wanted to be a coach? Because some former players have interesting stories about how they fall into coaching. Yeah, I, you know, that was something that, believe it or not, well, like a lot of guys, you know, during my college experience, I definitely, you know, had designs on being able to play professional football. It, it was definitely, it, it was something that uh, most of my teammates aspired to. But during that, my playing experience at Grambling in particular, I had a chance to be uh, associated with one of the greatest mentors in the coaching role that I ever saw and Eddie Robinson. And so that along with the influence of my mother who was a foreign language and English teacher, those things really ignited or sparked an interest in me and the, the, the communication part piece, the helping players piece, the teaching piece was something that really was inside of me that I didn't know was there. And um, when I was done playing, uh, uh, it, it almost just kind of became something that was the next logical step for me. And um, I, I was able to segue and transition very quickly into helping players. And that became intriguing, it became fun, it became interesting, helping someone else to achieve their potential and their goals. Being under a coach like Eddie Robinson, who coached both football and basketball at Grambling State, what do you draw on and what have you brought to your coaching from getting to experience him during your time at Grambling State? The, the, the biggest thing to me, the thing that stands out was the unbridled passion. He was one of the most passionate individuals on a daily basis that I, I, I mean, he was the same person every day. That passion was there regardless of the outcome of the previous game, the time of the year, whether we were in the training camp situation, in the middle of a season and spring football, he was just so passionate about the game of football and his belief that how that could impact an individual's development, long-term development and their ability to just be productive as a, as a you know, once their, their, their playing days were concluded. So just the passion of Coach Robinson. You've been coaching football for a long time. You've been playing football even before that. How have you seen this game grow? How have you seen it evolve since you've been in it? Because it seems to change every five to 10 years as new players come in and out of this league. Absolutely. It, you know, it, the, the, some of the nuances of the game, uh, uh, some of the innovative offensive concepts, those things kind of evolve. And really, Maddie, it's almost like they kind of recycle themselves as much as they change. Think You can look at things that our offensive teams are doing today, and you can kind of trace the origins of some of those things back to just things that were going on 10, 20, 30 years ago. So it's fun to see how that continues to uh, affect our game. But it's, it's, it's at one point, the, the, you, know, it, you know, NFL football in general and just football in general, it was a, a, a pounded, uh, 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 offenses were pounded out. Uh, uh, I, I remember coaching in the Big Ten, and at that particular time, every team in the Big Ten, when I was coaching the Big Ten, had a fullback on the roster. Now you'd be hard pressed to find any offensive team in college that would line up with one back in the backfield, let alone two. 
So the game evolves based on, you know, the, the exceptional minds of some of the people who are, who are innovative and, and those types of things. But like I said, it, it just seems to recycle itself. And, uh, you know, pass rushers are at a premium because you have to affect the quarterback. So our position group is very important. Uh, most of the resources are, are in the, in the, in the player on offense that has the ball in his hand on every snap. And so we have to be able to affect him to, to have a chance to be successful. So, um, that that's, those are some of the things that I've, that I've been able to witness and experience as a coach or a player. As a coach, is it crazy to think just how the body types of like defensive ends have changed, uh, from, from big guys to now it's slimmer guys who sometimes double as linebackers almost, uh, because of how athletic and because of how quick offenses have gotten in the NFL. Without question, the game is 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 played in space. Like I mentioned, it's it's you know the offensive game and just the defensive game. In order to adjust to that, it's a space game, and so you have to have guys that can affect the game beyond their general assignment area. You know, the ball can go outside on the perimeter right away, and you need defensive linemen and guys that play in the core that can transition out there. You need corners that can that can that can be sound and reliable tacklers. So um, it's it, it's a big time space game for us on 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 defense. Offenses want to spread us out. They want to you know a lot of offensive teams don't have the patience to want to try and pound at a guy like Vernon Butler or Harrison Phillips or, or, or those types of guys. So they want to spread you out and hopefully kind of negate the power and the size that you have with the players in the core. So. Yeah, I've definitely seen that transition. And those are some of the things that, that I look for, especially at my position group. You got to have tremendous energy to be an effective and consistent pass rusher in the NFL. You spent 2011 to 2019 with the Carolina Panthers. You get hired to coach at the Buffalo Bills. You come to the Bills and you coach this defensive line that has three of your former players on it in Mario Addison, Brian Cox Jr. and Vernon Butler. I mean, how rare is a situation like that to have three players who who you coached a season before? Right, and and you could you can count Star in that also, Star Latule. Mm -hmm. So it'd be it's it's um, it's very unusual. Um, and it, it, it's, it is definitely, it's, it's an advantage. It's a blessing. It's, it's, a, it's a positive thing. Uh, I know these players, I know, um, I like to think that I know what their strengths are and how to best assist them. And they've got, they've, they've gotten a chance. We've gotten a chance to work together and the relationships have been positive. And so, uh, there's only in my, from my standpoint, there's only benefits to that, but it is unusual. Well, you talked to the strength of those players. Uh, let's do some word association with these strong defensive linemen uh, that you've been coaching. I'm going to give a name, and then you tell me one word to describe them. We'll start off with the man, Jerry Hughes. Give me one word to describe him. Uh, leader. During the time that I've gotten to know Jerry uh, and that I've been working with him, leader. What about Mario Addison? I've, I've uh, winner. I've coached Mario for a long time, and and that's just what he is. He's a winner. He finds a way to win. Trent Murphy. Um. You know, Trent is 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 in a word focused. 
I mean, when, when I'm when when I'm teaching or working with Trent, I mean, his 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 eyes are locked on you. Everything that you're saying, he is absorbing that. So he's focused like a hawk. I think Mario described Trent and Jerry uh, pretty great with the way that they practice. He said, yeah, we've got A.J. Epinesu who comes in here as a rookie, and then he sees how hard Jerry and Trent practice every day, and it's no joke, not even for these veterans, as they walk onto the practice field every single day and demand the most that you can give in those two hours on the field. There's no – I mean, that that's a, that's a signature, I would say, of the group, and that's the – the prep, the effort that they put into their preparation. They take a lot of pride in it. And they also understand the benefit of that on Sunday when, when we're all trying to achieve the same goal. What about one word for Ed Oliver? <laughs> uh, talent. Uh, talent. I mean, a lot of talent. A lot of talent. Really excited to be working with, with, with someone like that. And he's a lot of fun to be around. All right, we'll do one more. Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips. Um, I, 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 you can't describe Harrison with one word. Uh, there's, but I will say this. Harrison is a combination of just being scrappy, and Harrison's a fighter. He's going to fight for every inch that he can. I mean, you look, at, you look at his story and what he had to overcome to get himself back on the field. The guy's a fighter. He's going to fight until the end to, do, to try and do his job. And I respect that about him. When you were coaching the Carolina Panthers, when you were their defensive line coach, you ranked in top 10 in sacks five out of the seven seasons as the defensive line coach. Uh, what do you think this defensive line is capable of? Surely plenty of athletes. Uh, have you ever coached a defensive line like this? Where do you think their ceiling's at? Well, that that – you know that's yet to be determined. I just know this: um, we we are preparing ourselves to be as productive as we possibly can be, and we understand that philosophically, the responsibility of being a defense that wants to be able to generate pressure with just four guys. So it starts with that. I mean, and so we're going to do everything we can to make that philosophy a reality, and um, and so. Let's let's just be clear. One of the I'm fortunate to be here. One of the attractive things about coming here was, you know, you know when I when I when I saw who was on the roster at that position group, and it, it was I mean you you just want to work with a bunch of guys that have a bunch of pride, talent. They don't mind working. Uh, they listen. They 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 take full advantage of the process. This group to me, the sky's the limit. We and and especially I can say that after having we haven't played a game yet and so we have to go out and win we have to go out and, and win against each opponent win every situation but if the way that this group works is in the indicator uh, um, i think we can we can be exactly what we need to be for our defense and and we can fulfill our potential the way that this defensive line can rotate throughout positions uh techniques uh tackle to end to nose you name it is is that like a defensive line coach's dream to where you have like nine guys but you can flip them all over the field and wear the heck out of an offensive line absolutely you, you you'd like to be able to constantly present matchup problems for an offensive line or 
for a protection philosophy. You, you, just, you just want it, you, you'd like to be able to do that. And so if you have athletes that are versatile, that um, can, um, first of all, they have to also, they have to commit to knowing the entire front concept and not just this position, Vernon Butler's playing the defensive tackle or the nose. Vernon, you know, I frequently will ask a defensive tackle about the defensive end's responsibility because it makes the game day rotation that much more potent, if you will. It, it increases the value. So when we can do those things, when we can have Mario Addison matched up in different places, uh, that helps us, especially if, if he's demonstrated a person like that has demonstrated that he can win from there. Let's flip over to life not on the football field. Uh, you're a dad, you, you have a son, you're married. What are some hobbies outside of football? What's it like to be a dad as a football coach? I'm sure you don't have too much time at home every single day, especially in season, but I'm, I'm sure this off season uh, was kind of like a gift to a lot of football coaches out there getting to spend a lot more time home than you probably ever have. There's no question about it. Uh, uh, you know, when when I'm not involved in doing my job, my my number one priority is to be the, the absolute best father and husband that I can be. And I, I just love being a father. I love being a, a parent, a co-parenting our son. And all of my energy and focus and attention, when I have a chance, it, I, I pour it all into that. And so um, my son and I, we, we we stay acquainted. We, I try and stay connected with him and he's playing baseball. He's actually in the Orchard Park Little League uh, since we we've moved here. And so I'm his I'm his coach in that uh, we spend time at the table addressing his core uh, academic subject areas. We spend time talking. There's we 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 watch music videos together. We ride bikes together. So my hobbies revolve around just you know, giving my son my undivided attention, if you will. Do you have to put on a different hat when, when you turn into a little league coach or, or are you the same guy that you are uh, coaching the defensive line? <laughs> my wife will tell you I'm the same person. <laughs> Is that a good thing uh, or a bad thing? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, I, and, and that just simply means I have, a, I have high expectations mm -hmm. uh, for, in my son, how he handles himself, how he learns from different situations that he may find himself in, how he handles success or when things don't go exactly the way that, that, that he wants them to go. I, I just try and make sure that he understands how to utilize all of those experiences and, uh, and take pride in doing a good job and doing the best job that you possibly can do. And if you don't get the results you want, work harder. So in that respect, I'm the same person. But I'll, I'm also I'll, I I am aware that I that that my son's nine and he's not 25. <laughs> <laughs> you spent a lot of time in Chicago between coaching the Chicago Bears and Northwestern. Uh, did you dive into becoming a deep dish fan during your time there? Oh, a oh, absolutely. You you can't live in Chicago and not enjoy your deep dish pizza, and it. And there's plenty of places and opportunities to do that. So definitely my wife enjoyed it also. And uh, 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 there was one place I can't remember, Lou Malnati's. Uh, that, that's was, my was, spot, Lou Malnati's. That is the best deep dish that Chicago can offer. The, there's the argument that it's Lou Malnati's or Giordano's, but. 
I don't like Giordano's sauce is not as good as Lumalnati's. We used to we used to take, you know, if we wanted to impress a recruit, I mean, they had to have some when I was coaching college football, they had to have Lou Malnati's. I mean, you could take them downtown or whatever, but if you got them some Lou Malnati's, you had a great chance of signing. Them. <laughs> That's such, Chicago's such a great food city. Buffalo is too. So once you're able to get out in public a little bit more, you can really experience uh, what Buffalo has to offer from a food perspective. But in Chicago, did you fall in love with any certain type of food or any certain type of restaurants? Uh, I know you said you lived in Evanston when you're coaching with Northwestern. Well, well, we just, we, you know, you can be in that area and just become a foodie. I mean, and you, you can live in that area for years and not experience all of the, the endless places. We, we, and, and some of them, I don't believe are there anymore, but certainly Lou Malnati's, uh, Joe Stone Crab was, was, was a favorite. Um, there was a place downtown called Heaven on Seven. Being from Louisiana, it was, it was kind of fashioned in the Southern cuisine with, with, with that. Um, there, there's just all kinds of places. There was a there was an Italian place, um, I can't think of the name, but it it, it just unbelievable. I mean, so <laughs> there, there's an unending amount you, of food that you can eat yeah. in Chicago. You knew that if you went out in Chicago, that area, you were and, and with the intent on having a great meal, you were rarely going to be disappointed. Did you get down to the city mo most uh, or much when you were in Chicago? Because I know um, I grew up in the suburbs, so we would try and get down to the city whenever we could. But it's also sometimes a hike depending on where you live. So did you go visit the city much? If you did, what did you do down there? Check out Cubs games, lakefront. What, what was it? All of the above. Uh, well, when I was with the Bears, um, our hotel, our Saturday night hotel was right downtown because you know soldier fit so you know we were down there every weekend and during the off season my wife and I really enjoyed just window shopping walking up and down um, Michigan Avenue and just just looking and walking and just being a part of all of the energy and just the vibrant overall landscape of the downtown area um, you know we we rode the L to many Cubs games. As a matter of fact, the, the place that, that we lived in in Evanston was right across the street from, from the L stops. So we would just get on it and go down and get off at the Addison stop and, and go to a game and get on it and come back. So we, we uh, the museums, the aquarium, and once our son came along and he was old enough, I've been to, to the aquarium many times, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the tours on the Chicago River, I, I, we've done just about everything multiple times. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no ending amount uh, to what you can do and visit and see in that city. I want to talk Louisiana roots. Uh, you're from Shreveport, so Hall of Fame right. quarterback Terry Bradshaw's from Shreveport, and there's also someone on the team from Shreveport, and Tredavious White. Have you guys made that connection yet? We we definitely have, and. Um, I got a chance to meet Tredavious White uh, during his pre-draft visit at the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, we, we, we basically grew up within a bike ride of one another and in the same neighborhood. And uh, Tredavious White's principal at his high school, Green Oaks High School, was a teammate of mine at Grambling. Um, and so we, it's just, it, it's, it's just, a, it's, 
amazing to be in, on the same team with someone from your hometown and to know exactly what he's talking about. He knows exactly what, what you're talking about. So it's a lot of fun. We've had a chance to talk on a couple of occasions, and I look forward to, to doing that even more. Best part about Shreveport, Louisiana? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. I mean, tremendous memories. I had an unbelievable childhood. Uh, my family, my father still lives there. Uh, aunts and uncles and relatives and cousins and whatnot. And it's just home. I mean, it, that's just where I'm from. That, that'll always be home. But it, 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 it's, it, it was just a great city in terms of just the, 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 the overall spirit, the Southern cuisine, and just all of the connections that I had there with my family and friends and so forth. I had a great childhood. Another place that was home for you for a few years was Grambling State. Uh, why did you choose Grambling? Well, I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, Eddie Robinson, Coach Eddie Robinson was a legend, is a legend. Um, he's a national treasure. treasure. And if you have a chance to be associated with someone like that in your formidable years, you're going to jump at that opportunity. And um, I got everything that I could bar have bargained for with that relationship and then some. And what that meant for my development, the, the profession that I'm involved in, um, I just, I mean, so that was, that was one of the, the, the primary factors. The, the proximity to Shreveport was another. And then the teacher education program at Grambling was at that time and still is second to none. We saw in over summer, we saw a five-star basketball recruit choose that he's going to go to Howard over schools like Kentucky, Memphis, and UCLA. Would you like to see more five-star and four-star recruits go to HBCUs? I certainly would. I think that they would benefit from uh, including a school like Howard, Grambling, Morehouse, Spelman, where my sister graduated, Southern University. You know, those schools definitely need to be a part of the discussion. But at the end of the day, you select the, the, the place that you believe will, will benefit, will give you the best opportunity. Those schools will get, those schools are as capable as any school, as any institution of fostering development and preparing you to excel in life. There, and so they definitely need to be a part of the discussion from a historical perspective, um, uh, from a certain uh, cultural relevance, uh, uh, their outstanding institutions, the, the, the historical uh, value and context. All of my, my mother and father both went to, both attended and graduated from Southern University. And so that's who developed me. So I will always uh, be grateful and be appreciative of the, of the education that I, that I received from a, a place like Bramble. That's awesome. One final question before we wrap up. What's it like being back with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean? I mean, you were with them from 2011 to 2016 at Carolina. So, so what's it like to be back with, I'm sure what feels like some old friends? It does. It, it's uh, another primary reason that I came here. And, and when you have a chance when, when you have a chance to work with people that you know and respect, you know what their agendas are, okay? I mean, that, that's, that's everything, especially in a volatile business like this. Uh, and, and, you know, Brandon and Sean are devoid of ego and they're great listeners. And 
and they're they're devoid. Everyone has an ego because if you compete and coaches are competitive, but it's not a destructive ego, if, if, if that makes any sense. At the end of the day, they want the best information. They value other people's opinion. They want to make great decisions and they want to be supported and they and they support you. And so when you are in an environment like that, I mean, that's a no brainer for me, especially with the amount of time that we spend around each other. Uh, and, and, and you're going to have ups and downs, ebbs and flows, and you just need people who are steady, committed, and their thumb pointers and not finger pointers. And both of those guys fit that description, in my opinion. Yep. With the addition of you, the new defensive lineman, Stefan Diggs, new receiver, Zach Moss, you could go on and on. Uh, it's all going to make for a very awesome start to the season. Week one, September 13th. I cannot wait for it to get here. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Been great to get to know you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Kim, the season is right around the corner. I can't believe we have finally gotten to this place from <sighs> training camp when we weren't even sure what what time the players would get here, if it would happen. We've gone through training camp. It has it has gone so well, I think, I, just, just from being here every single day and seeing the protocols in place and how everybody's following everything and how clean it is and how great Bioreference Lab has, has been with the bills and coming in to get, get daily testing and things like that. And we all know this year is going to be so different for our players, for our coaches, and for our fans. But from an owner's perspective, how is it going to be different for you? Because I would imagine, like, day-to-day – has been oh, so it, different, it, even dating back to March. Yeah, no, it, it, it certainly has been different leading up to where we are today. And, you know, it's, there's, certainly there's been challenges, but, you know, it's, it's also been, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm just a positive person, right? Yeah. So I always try to look at, at things and, and not to um, downplay the, the health and, and the deaths that uh, people have experienced or have loved ones that have died from, um, from COVID. But, you know, trying to look at it in what I can control, right, in, in a positive way. And I think there has been such a gathering of, of support, trying, you know, everyone wanted us to try to get the season together. And the collaboration that has happened with the league, with the players, with the clubs, I think that has been really one positive that, um, that has come out of this. But it certainly is going to be different. I mean, on game day, like game day is, a, oh my gosh, it's just, um, especially a home game, right? It's just, I, I wake up in the morning with like anxiety, like <laughs> butterflies in my stomach. And I think, you know, many people know that like, so I bake cookies to mm -hmm. relieve the anxiety in the morning. Um, and What time just, do you wake up in the morning? Because I wake if you're up you're baking cookies early. before one o'clock kick. I, I do. I, I wake up early because sometimes my oven takes a while to warm up, to preheat. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll go downstairs and preheat my oven, um, and then go back upstairs and get ready. So it, yeah, and I do get up early, but it, but like I wake up with such, and I don't want to say nervous energy. That's what it is, yeah. ner nervous energy. So I, um, so I'm, I'm sure that's not going to change, right? Because it doesn't matter. Like it, that's not going to change. Um, but you know, I'm going to miss having, kind of when I take that drive uh, down. I forget what street it is, off of 28, mm -hmm. 20A. And you see the fans out in the, and you see the tailgating, and you just see that. And you, there's people in their homes, and I don't know. It just it's such a comforting feeling, uh, just kind of driving through all that. And then when you get to the stadium, and um, it's just, and I'm gonna miss like, not interacting with fans, not mm -hmm. interacting with our sponsors, not interacting with, 
you know, some key initiatives that, that we have you know, during home games. Um, so I'm, I'm going to miss that aspect of, of game day. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's big, right? That's, I mean, you know, granted the game itself is, is big, mm -hmm. but all that gets you kind of there and yeah. in the right mindset yeah. for the game. So that is going to be a little bit different. Um, because we are not having spectators right now for the first two games, I'm probably going to be watching it from the press box with the most likely Terry and because he and I don't watch the game together. Like he's up in the press box okay. with Brandon, Bean and Joe Shane and uh, Dan and whoever else on, is on the personnel side. And I'm, I'm down um, in a different suite. So it's kind of less how we are on the uh, mm -hmm. road games. Mm -hmm. it's, it's different. Like watching the game with them, <laughs> and then watching the game with like my family and friends, right? So, so it, so my anxiety anxiety is going to be even like last all game. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's it's definitely going to be different. And I I'm just I just want to give a shout out to all the staff, like both at the league, the players, the our club people. Like you know, so much tremendous work has been put into this, and along with the uncertainty and the last minute changes and um, just that's how much football means to to all of us and the mm -hmm. passion that we have it for the game. Um, but everyone has gone um, over and above to provide that. And I just um, it's it's been great to see that all, you know, evolve. But um, but we are here. And like I said, you know, it's going to be cut down day soon. Uh, and we're going to be off and running, so I'm happy we're here. Yeah, me too. And I think my confidence has grown so much in the fact that, yes, we can get through a season. We can have this happen from, from week one to the Super Bowl, just yeah. watching how training camp has unfolded and how you almost go to practice. And it's not like you forget about everything that's going on, but you feel a sense of normalcy and you yeah. feel a sense of safety with the things going on at One Bells Drive. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, certainly there's a lot of different protocols but the game itself is still the game, right? And that's what you see at practice. You, you see that happening. And I, I know, especially in Buffalo, how important the sports you know, is to our community and the connection with it. And so I'm hoping and I know, I'm confident that our fans are finding, gonna find their own way um, into connecting with the team, uh, connecting on game day with their families like they always have been. Um, it's just going to be a, a different experience mm -hmm. this year, but I still think, like I said, I still think it's going to be a positive one and uh, just looking forward to just getting started. Yes. Talk about a different experience, extending Sean McDermott yeah, in yeah. the middle of a pandemic. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure some people thought, okay, maybe it will happen after this season because there's some uncertainty this season, but you guys extended him right before training camp hit and right. it shows you have yeah. so much faith in him and, and what he's built here. Well, well, definitely. Listen, you know, I always hope that, I don't, I don't want to say that uh, it's not mistakes, but I always, like, if there's an learnings, right? So mm -hmm. I always like to think that we've learned from all different experiences. And with Sean, him, having him here for three years um, really meant a lot to us. And then thinking that we have him for multiple years going forward and, and having that stability um, was something that we haven't experienced before and something that we felt was just really um, was a positive step. And I listen, especially during COVID, you know, there are teams out there that have had first time coaches mm -hmm. and how difficult that would be. So sometimes I, I feel bad. I don't feel bad for them, but I do appreciate 
that uh, we have some continuity. And um, like I said, and happy that we could able, you know, be able to, before the season started, you know, even extend that longer and give stability to our players, our, our staff, and our community that we're in this together and we're, we've been building. There's no guarantees, as we all know, um, but I think we have a great foundation here uh, with Sean and his coaching staff um, that's going to be do well for us for years. And I know you've been super open about the topic of social justice and the racial injustices we're seeing going on in this world and in the fight to end systemic racism. And we saw NBA players walk out of their games last week. We saw the NHL and some MLB teams take a pause. From an owner's perspective, what did you think when you saw this kind of all unfold over the last couple days after the Jacob Blake shooting? Yeah, I, I was like, wow, like what a statement. Like it, it got the world's attention, and and I think that was the effect. Like it, the fact that um, that it was bigger than the game, right? Whether whatever game that they were playing, that it was bigger than this, and it was in, it was at a point where it was so important to them that um, they felt like they they needed to to take this pause, and and so I mean, Tara and I like we applaud them for for making that stand. What I'm what I'm really excited about, though, is that what are the, you know what what's going to come from mm -hmm. that, right? So um, I just there are so many discussions that I know organizations are having, clubs are having, players, um, and you know just within our own club as well. But to see action, like that's that's the exciting part. And yeah. so I so appreciate all those players um, coming together and just to draw that line in the stand, saying this is enough. Like this is. We need to do something, um, and then people using that to spur action from people. So uh, that's what I'm really excited about. I know that it is. I I don't think it's a topic that is going to go away, nor should it. Like mm -hmm. I think this is something that is that people maybe you know, like I know they talked about previous years. We you know it hasn't made different. It hasn't made a difference, um, but. I, I don't know if it's part of the pandemic or it's it's people like the athletes that, you know, like I said, are, are taking such a strong stance, but I feel people are more open to taking action and doing something about it. Um, I know within our own club, you know, we have had a, a few town halls yeah. and they've been, they've been like really they've open, so raw great. conversations, right? And asking the, the difficult questions and kind of pouring out your feelings sometimes that, and it was great because I know we had some players on the call um, as well as our coach and for people and our staff to see them as real people and, and as humans, not like, you know, some superstar, um, you know, football player, but like this, the things that they go through as a human being and, um, and black men in our society, like it, it was just really, you know, it, it just, it very, really, really got to a lot of our staff that just made them want to be part of that. So we are putting together um, a diversity and equity inclusion council and committee within, within all our organizations to help us navigate um, through this and help us be a better organization and help us with our processes and our hiring pra uh, practices and, and learning. And we're going to continue our town hall conversations uh, that you know, um, several of our staff are, the, are really committed to making sure that we continue those. So I am excited on the work that's being done. I'm excited about what to see uh, from not just our own club, but from all the leagues and just people in general. So. Yeah. I think this year can really be a year that, that brings about a lot of change. Uh, I think because the whole world kind of went on pause for a couple months, I yeah. think that really shook people up and, and 
and how can we make this planet a better planet to live on this world how can we love each other more how can we respect each other more how can we understand each other more because at the end of the day it's it's a hum- humanity itch yeah. issue and it's and, about and, and you know what? caring about our our brothers and our sisters and our friends well yeah and it's something that we we can all do ourselves we we don't need like it's just i, I think it starts with yourself first you, you know and i know that i've had definitely learning so obviously being a minority myself like you know you would think that I'm on top of all of this but but I have learned so much over the course of the last uh, few months about my own perceptions of Black Lives Matter um, about you know race uh, racism the social injustices that maybe I wasn't quite so I mean I knew they were there but like I did not realize how Deep, or sometimes I didn't realize, you mm-hmm. know, the the thought behind um, behind it. Um, one of the things I I did not realize is just, you know, I, I'm big on, you know, equality for everyone, right? So like, not seeing if you're black or white or if you're female or you're male or if, where you came from, and like, okay, everyone, we're all on an equal playing field, but we're not. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a good thing, right, to think that way, yeah. like just to treat everybody equally. But the, um, but the issue is that we're, we're not all equal um, on an equal playing field. And we need to support and elevate people just to give them a chance to be on an, on an equal playing field. And I think that's all anybody really wants is that, that opportunity. So it's, it's been great learning for myself. And I encourage just anybody that, you know, the first place that people ask me, like, what can I do? Look within yourself, you know? It's, it's there, it's there. Definitely. Kim. Thanks so much for the conversation. It's fun. It's been a it fun It was not as hard episode. as I thought it was going to be. No, you did a great job. Thank you. It was you, fun. You, you made said, it easy. You said you love talking. I do. And, and you showed that <laughs> through this episode, and it was some great combo. Can't wait for everybody to hear it and, and give their feedback. We're going to be around again uh, soon, so stick with us for the next episode of Bill's Pod Squad. We'll right. see everybody later. Thanks.